0: Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back to another episode of Seeing Other People. First and foremost, I want to congratulate everybody on surviving Valentine's Day. For those who love Valentine's Day, I'm so happy for you and I hope you had a wonderful time celebrating yourself, celebrating your love for your friends and for any loved ones in your life. For those who hate Valentine's Day, Mazel Tov, you made it. You have another 51 weeks to go until you have to deal with it again. And as your congratulatory prize for surviving V-Day... We have an incredible episode today. I am so excited and honored to welcome Orly Israel onto Seeing Other People. Orly and I actually went to college together at Syracuse University, and we were in the same program and had a bunch of classes together. And I kid you not, Orly is probably one of the smartest people that I know. And I'm going to be completely honest right now. There were a lot of times during this episode where I just felt stupid. But that is because there's so much left for me to learn. And there's so much that Orly has learned and experienced that has allowed him to grow. And I think the most beautiful thing we can do in life is surround ourselves with people who are smarter than us and open ourselves up to learning from them. And this episode is definitely a testament to that. Orly set out to learn how to become a better listener and he created what he calls these listening tables and his whole thing now his whole brand is orly's listening table 1000% stop what you're doing right now go follow orly's listening table on instagram you will see what he does and how much of an impact he is having on the world and it's truly so beautiful but orly basically started setting up tables just like a folding table in different parts of los angeles and wherever else he went and he made up a sign that says here to listen and I'll let him get into the details but He wanted to become a better listener. And the best way to do that is to practice listening. And I think when it comes to dating and relationships and just friendships and human connection in general, I think one of the most important things that we never are actually taught how to do is listen. And I admire Orly so much for what he set out to do. And this episode is just so inspiring. And Impactful, and I'm so excited that it is finally here. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to bring Orly in, and I hope you all love this episode as much as I do. And welcome Orly to Seeing Other People. Orly, how are you?
1: I'm so excited to be here, connecting with you. We haven't spoken in so long, and I'm just really glad that you found some interest in wanting to talk.
0: I'm so happy to have you, and I. I'm so impressed and so proud of you with everything that you're doing, but it also doesn't surprise me one bit.
1: Amazing. I'm so amazed by hearing that. But it doesn't surprise (laughs) me either.
0: (laughs) Backstory, Orly and I went to college together. We've known each other for over 10 years. Um, We haven't spoken in a very long time up until recently. But I feel like every, like, year or so, there would be, like, one or two back and forths, just about something. Always
1: was appreciating your story, thinking how cool you were, you know, doing media and all of the bravery it takes to go out in the street and talk to people, which I eventually ended up doing. And I've been inspired by your whole story and how you share it, so... I know I definitely reached out once or twice a year just to say, like, wow, that's amazing.
0: And I appreciated that always. I want to hear what got you started with Orly's Listening Table. How did this happen?
1: Well, I wanted to learn how to be a better listener was really the goal of what I set out to do. And the long story or the medium story, I'll try and make it filling and good also and give the whole backstory is... I grew up in a family that had fights from time to time. What I think is normal, uh, you know, two younger brothers, everyone had different styles of arguing with each other. There was always something going on. I was the oldest, so I could just punch somebody if they felt, uh, if I felt like it. Uh, Someone else would say really mean things. And some person, you know, people would get upset. Parents would get involved. And just what I think would be probably a normal family of sometimes tension uh and when i was like 13 or 14 i think i realized that you don't have to let it get to you if someone says something you don't like you can just if you hit him he's gonna do something back to you but if you don't hit him you're you're good you you're know in the clear. it stops kind of uh and so i thought that was crazy when i was 13 or 14 or 15 where i just kind of decided i'm not gonna start any more fights and I thought that was so profound. I was like, this is incredible. What an ability I've discovered. Of course, I wasn't solved as a person by then, but I had just started my understanding of what would I'd learned was called communication skills and maybe self-awareness. And then I went to college and I really wanted to be still am interested in being a storyteller of some sort writing things that impress people, give people role models they may not have had. I remember TV gave me so many role models of people that were exciting and fun and always stood up for what they believed in and overcame incredible, you know, like Ash Ketchum. He never gave up when I was, you know, 9, 10 years old. I thought he was the coolest guy ever, cooler than any real person. Um, Shout out to Ash, who's finally finished his journey of, Pokemon, and retiring. big. That's, a, that's big. Um, end of an era. After college, I really wanted to get into volunteering. And I recognized entertainment is a lot about telling your story and getting your own kind of needs met to be seen. And I felt like that was very personal. Uh, but I wanted to do something that was more for the community uh, and the world. And I was I asked a friend who's told me there's an organization called Freedom to Choose, uh, which t- is all based around you have the freedom to choose, how you react to something, how you respond to something. Uh, and they have this incredible, amazing organization where you go into prisons and you basically do listening tables with people in prison. Wow. That's a very high level explanation of something that is incredibly deep and life-changing. What I learned was a lot of the social, emotional kind of elements of our lives that we think everyone knows, they don't. Uh, For example, if you're in prison, at least the majority of people I met, if not 100% of them, are there because they did the best thing they thought was available to them. Uh, What that means is, imagine if you've never in your whole life had a role model forgive somebody. You've never seen someone say, that's okay. You've only seen people do kind of violent acts to each other as the way of uh, solving problems. You won't even know forgiveness is real. And I thought that forgiveness and and kindness and choosing to not do fights – was something everyone could just do, but if you don't know you can make that choice because you've never seen it happen, how could you make that choice? To go in to prisons where people are dealing with regular things, you know, people, what they talk about is, you know, oh, my mom visited me and she doesn't like my hairstyle, or uh, I'm nervous to go back to my family because I don't want them to judge me for what, I, what I've done or where I've been or I'm worried about my family on the outside, or people are bullying me here. It's nothing, you know, nothing that I heard was like something I couldn't relate to, or something that was e- exclusive to prison fundamentally. You know, we went to school for communications. So we learned a lot about how people connect with each other, how to craft a message. And also, if you're in business, you know, if you're in a management position, people will Make you take classes on how to connect with your clients and your staff and your team so you can lead properly. So, if you look at people at the top of kind of the echelon of society and the management roles, they learn communication skills. And then you take a select portion of people in prison, which is kind of like a, a lower rung uh, of society. And then on the side, you have people in therapy or counseling where shit's hit the fan, and now you need to fix things, so you have to learn to communicate with your family or whoever you're with. Uh, so there's this whole middle of 99. Probably five to 9% of us who don't have any need to learn about these skills, which means no one's probably going to make money off of it, which means no one's going to try and teach you that it exists. Communication skills and how to be better at communicator.
0: And that's so unfortunate because to your point, it's like shit's at the fan. So people go to therapy or they learn how to communicate with their families because it's been a disaster. But if we all were taught how to communicate from an early age or even in college, we were in a communications program, but there wasn't actually a course on how to communicate with each other, how to be a good listener, how to properly express our thoughts and our wants and our needs and ask for those things it's unfortunate because literally every single relationship whether it's romantic whether it's familial whether it's a friendship whether it's with work every single thing like everything comes back to communication and a lack of communication or a miscommunication is usually what leads to these problems or these feelings of being mad from the hurt from the love
1: totally And to finish my story i like to front load all this stuff so then you have all the context i I took a class on communication skills that was amazing taught by this guy Orrin sofer who wrote a book called say what you mean which is amazing shout out he taught a class online and 12 week class i think and in his third week he said you can learning how to communicate is just like learning how to swim you can read as many books on swimming as you want But until you get in the water, you're not going to know if you can do it or not. And so right when he said that, I was like, I got to get in the water. And I started the table right away so I could go and listen to people to learn how to be a better listener, which I think is if communication skills is like a flower, I think. Listening is like one of the big pedals of it.
0: For those who don't know, for those who are learning about Orly and Orly's listening table for the first time, what is your listening table?
1: So, my listening table is a table, folding table, gray. You've seen it at parties. I have two signs. One says here to listen on it, and one says no judgment, no advice, no charge. And I just set it up in different places in Los Angeles and also. Florida and Israel when I was there, and I sit out for about two hours and I'm willing to listen to anybody who wants to talk about whatever they want. The goal is to help me become a better listener. You know, when you hear things you disagree with, when you hear things you want to give advice on, when you hear things you want to judge people on, how can you participate uh, in a conversation without making it about yourself, kind of. Uh, And then eventually after I'd done it about 60 times, I'd heard enough from people saying, you got to make videos about this, you know, you got to share it online. Because I really was doing it for myself, but I wanted to inspire other people and I kept a blog that I would write about it. And then I just started doing videos where I keep it anonymous. I make sure that it's not about the personal stuff, you know, to keep the trust between anyone who'd ever see it and think their stories are going to be public. But I share videos about how to be a better listener and maybe lessons other people have learned along the way.
0: I think it's a really interesting point about being a good listener is not about how you're going to respond or about disagreeing or trying to give advice. And I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with where when somebody comes to us with a problem or a situation they're going through we are listening i i feel like we listen and try and form a response but we're not just listening to listen we're listening to give advice we're listening to give our opinion and i wonder like how have you learned like obviously you've done this a lot like you said like dove in the water and swam. What can people do to try and start listening just to listen?
1: Well, you can start by buckling up and getting ready to listen to this whole podcast because it's going to be really good and I'm not going to dump a whole bunch of stuff on you right away. We'll, we'll draw it out. Uh, the first thing that I think is really important is understanding why are you part of the conversation right now? I think that's a huge tool for people who want to be better listeners and people who want to be better talkers and communicators is to give the person the role in the conversation that you need them for uh, so let's say i was coming to you or a family member or significant other or a friend and i said hey alana i am going through something and i want to tell you what i'm going through just because i want to get off my chest And I just want to vent to you. And that's kind of it. I'm not really looking for advice right now. All of a sudden you're able to say, all right, I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to listen to them. I'm good. They're not looking for solutions. So I don't have to waste my brain time thinking about what I can tell them. Um, On the other hand, if you're going to share something like, Hey, Alana dating related, like just got off this date. What should I do? here's the story. All of a sudden, now you're able to listen from a perspective of now I can, now I know how they want me to be there. So as a listener, as someone who wants to be a better listener, you can also initiate that by saying, you know, right at the beginning of conversation, if someone starts talking about something, and most of the time, I think we're talking about right now, like deeper conversations, more Mm -hmm. what we would say, like emotional conversations, you can say, hey, sounds like you're going through a lot. I want to be here for you as best as I can. So just wanting to know, is this something you just want me to listen to first? Are you thinking you want me to give some advice on this? Or do you want to just see where it goes? And that will enable the other person who's about to talk for a little while to know that, first of all, this person's here for me. They want to support me however I need support. And also, how how do I need support? Like, do I just want to vent about it or do I want to think about solutions together with this? And one of the things that people go through when they're feeling especially emotional times is the sense of a loss of control, right? My feelings are out of control. Uh, I'm reliant on some other situation to make me feel better. And taking back that control of just this conversation or giving that control as the listener to say, like, this place right here, This is your space. You're in control. Immediately, will give someone a sense of, okay, yeah, I'm here. I'm here present. We can figure it out, but I know this is a good space.
0: I think creating that safe space from the start is really important. And I've tried in my personal relationships to say, like, to kind of prompt someone to do you want me to listen or do you want my advice? Because I know, especially with dating, You know, people come to me, whether it's listeners or friends all the time to talk about their dating situations. And I think at first, I just assumed everyone wanted my advice, but sometimes that's not what people need. And so I have started to ask people, do you want someone to listen or do you want advice? I think that's really important for the person who is doing the talking to figure out what they want. And I really like that point you made. I'm curious about when you're just listening, whether you're sitting at the table or somebody comes to me and says, I just want to vent. I just want you to listen. I'm not really looking for advice. What do you do when you like fundamentally disagree with what they're saying or their how they want to solve a problem? Like, how do you not? How do you hold back from giving your opinion in that case? Because I think that's something that's really difficult to do. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? It is so normal, but it's not talked about, and it makes all of us going through it feel really alone and frustrated. And I'm one of those women, and I have been so self-conscious about my hair thinning and shedding for so long. That is why I'm eternally grateful that I found Nutrafol last year, and honestly, I wish I had tried it sooner. When my team asked me recently if I wanted to team up with Nutrafol, I have never said yes to something faster. Nutrafol has become a part of my routine that I can't live without because of how much it's helped me and I truly could not recommend it more highly. Neutrophil is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And it is so easy to start your hair journey. You can take the hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root cause because everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different. So a one size fits all approach to hair growth doesn't cut it. That's why Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, as well as for different lifestyles like plant-based diets. And I know, I know it can be hard to commit long-term to doing something every single day, but with Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, No prescription required. Free shipping and automatic delivery ensures that you'll never miss a day, and you'll see results in three to six months. If I can do it, so can you. It's kind of funny that I'm recording this right now, as I'm literally about to go get a haircut because my hair is probably the longest it's ever been right now, and my hair never used to grow, but now it does, and it's really all thanks to Nutrafol. Plus, I am so grateful to be going into my wedding feeling confident about my hair, and that is definitely not something I expected to be able to say before starting Nutrafol. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners a $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code seeing other people. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code seeing other people. That's Nutrafol.com promo code seeing other people. I'm not just a girl on the go these days. I am a chicken running around with its head cut off. Two podcasts, wedding planning, wedding attending, dog momming, traveling, and trying to eat well, move my body, and stay sane all at once is not a recipe for success. That's why I've turned to my recipe masters, aka Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat meals that taste delicious, make me feel good, and take a major thing off of my to-do list. Factor's meals are pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved and there are more than 35 options a week to choose from including keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and more. Guys, I seriously can't say enough good things about Factors meals. They take two minutes to heat up, which means I can pop them in the microwave between recordings, or I can grab a ready-made smoothie from the fridge on my way to a workout class, or I can even have dinner ready for me and Jake after a really long day of work without lifting a finger. It has changed so much and has really made me feel like there's one less thing I need to worry about, and I feel good after eating the meals. Like, they're so delicious and nutritious. You can order as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. And you can pause or reschedule whenever you need, which has been really helpful for me with on and off traveling that I've had over the last few months and over the next few months. And you guys know I love when things make sense financially, and Factor meals are less expensive than takeout, so you save money and you don't have to go anywhere to pick them up. Factor's roasted garlic butter salmon and their tomato basil chicken risotto are two of my favorites that I keep ordering on repeat, but honestly, every single one of their meals has lived up to the hype. And of course, we are hooking you guys up, head to factormeals.com slash seeing other people 50 and use code seeing other people 50 to get 50% off. That's code seeing other people 50 at factormeals.com slash seeing other people 50 to get 50% off. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount. So keep on listening. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about.
1: Great question. I think that specific examples could be really useful here. But in the case of general, I think that you should decide how much do you care about the outcome of the situation? And I use the term like care pretty flippantly because it's easy for me to say, I don't care about somebody else's political opinion who's a stranger that stops by my table to talk for 45 minutes. I care to listen to them and to hear what they're talking about, but I'm not caring enough to say that I have to change their opinion on something I disagree with, right? If it's about something like that. Uh, There are things that, you know, and this is, a, let's say, I think a really easy situation that comes up in dating or in any life, is when your partner says something that's wrong to someone else. You're at a dinner party and your partner just is talking about something and they say something that's wrong factually. You know, mm-hmm. some player on a sports team, it's the wrong sports team, or something happened in history that isn't ac- historically accurate, or just some niche piece of information that you know and you know is wrong do you care if anyone knows this, right? Do you need to correct the person that you're with publicly? What do you get out of it? You know, it's not like you're defusing a bomb, let them be wrong. It doesn't matter. Uh, and so using that kind of, I mean, it matters, maybe it doesn't matter. It probably matters a lot to you that they're happier rather than that you're right. Uh, especially in something inconsequential. But if someone talks about something you disagree with, I think you just have to determine, do you care enough to try and change their mind about it? Um, And that is the exclusion of if someone's doing something that you really do care about. Like, I really think you should stop having a bender every weekend for a couple weeks because I'm worried about you. And then you change it to yourself. You know, I'm worried about you is different than you should stop doing what you're doing if that mm-hmm. kind of makes a difference.
0: Has your opinion on something ever been changed by listening and really hearing someone out, like maybe someone approaches the table and starts to talk about something kind of in the realm of political beliefs, but not political beliefs, where at first in your mind, though you're not saying it, you might be like, mm, like, uh-uh. And then the more you hear them explain it, you're actually reconsidering and rethinking like, Oh, like I actually do understand that side of it.
1: I've definitely come to understand a lot more about people. I think my opinions on my own listening have changed a lot. Uh, you know, my opinion on kind of just, what we were talking about wanting to give advice on different things is something that is a natural wanting to fix problems when people talk about or make situations better so i've really gotten a better sense of letting things be giving people space to if they want to have a healing experience somehow then it's on them but i don't have to force that i think that i've also had you know most people and i say most as in of the probably close to 400 people I've listened to now, the percentage of conversations that are about relationships is probably the highest of anything. And it's not like 50%, it's probably under 20%. But a lot of people have relationship things that they talk about. And it gives me kind of more perspective on my own personal relationships
0: what does it seem like most people are struggling with in their relationships? Or are there any common themes within listening experiences that you're finding?
1: One thing that happens all the time is it'll be, cause I set up on public places where people would go to hang. Cause that's the place I think people would sit down at the most likely people were just kicking it. So I set up mm-hmm. along the beach a lot, long boardwalks and public kind of areas and all the time. It'll be a husband and wife. And one of them will say, you should go sit down with him. He can listen to you. Sometimes it's the husband. Sometimes it's the wife. She needs to be listened to. Okay, I'll put her here and I'll be back in an hour. Or she can talk to you all day. (laughs) It's really funny. Uh, I usually say like, I'll be here all day. Or if someone says she needs someone to listen to her or he needs someone to listen to him. I say, that's your job, just for fun. Um, The ones that have stuck with me are when somebody came up to me and he told me the story of how he waited for somebody to, to talk. So he was sitting on the floor, just waiting for somebody to leave. So he could share, which has, I don't think ever happened before, maybe once or twice. And he sat down and he talked to me about how he married the wrong person. And it was destroying his life. Uh, You know, how sad he was. Um, Story was he'd been in a relationship with this girl for 10 years. They broke up because he felt like it wasn't going to last. He ended up dating someone else for a year that he was so happy with. But for some reason, he knew the girl. He wasn't there in the relationship for a year, and he went back to the person he'd been with because it was comfortable or because he felt like it. And he said now he has got a kid on the way, and he hopes the kid would be something that brings him happiness because he's not happy in this relationship, in this marriage. And that really just kind of, was like a bomb in my head of saying, you know, you should, like how, off, how awful that would be to be in the wrong relationship, married and hoping that you're going to have a kid that makes your life a better place. It's just, that was
0: yeah.
1: a pretty pivotal moment for me.
0: That's something that, I mean, I can't imagine how that feels for that person. I've heard so many stories of people thinking that having a kid is going to save their relationship. And mm-hmm. I even know somebody who they ended up breaking off an engagement and she was pregnant. They were not happy already. And she was like, but the baby will save our relationship. Having this baby together will bring us together and it's what we need. And he was like, that's not fair to the baby. And this is not going to solve our problems. And it's such a scary situation to be in. And it's so hard. I imagine to walk away At that point, which is probably what this guy is also struggling with is, well, now we have a kid on the way. And I want to be there for that kid. Yeah. Wow.
1: Silver lining. uh, After he left, another guy came up, an older man on his bike. And he said, anyone talk to you today? And I said, yeah, guy, just people like to ask if people stop by. Hey. I said, a guy just told me he married the wrong woman and was expecting a kid. And he said, I married the wrong woman, too. Had a kid, got divorced after four years, and I've never been happier.
0: And I was Wow.
1: Like, there is always a way, I think.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's wild. What have you learned that you've been able to apply to your own relationships from hearing other dating and relationship situations?
1: The honest answer, which I should give, is that hearing about other relationships kind of helped me realize that the relationship I was in was not the relationship I was going to be in for the rest of my life. And it helped me realize I had to choose to put myself through a very uncomfortable period of going through a breakup in a relationship I was happy in. In order to find a relationship that I was on top of the world every day, best moments of my life in. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And that's scary too. I'm sure coming to that realization was really painful.
1: Yeah. I think it was really painful because I knew that what was best for me is also going to be really sad. Uh, for my partner and also for me. Especially when you care about somebody, you don't want to make them really sad.
0: Yeah. It's funny because we often, when we hear about breakups and we know people who have gotten broken up with, we always jump to the conclusion of like, well, poor that person, the person who got dumped, like they're going through so much pain and the person on the other side who decided to end the relationship is fine. That's like the automatic assumption. And that's not true. I feel like eight or nine out of 10 times, like that person is also experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of heartbreak. And there can, to your point, like there can completely be relationships that you're so happy in that you just know at the end of the day, like it's not forever. And at some point you have to decide like, well, if this isn't forever, I I need to move forward so that I can find that thing that is forever. But that doesn't mean it's easy.
1: Right. But I think it's also f- fair in a sense. You know, you shouldn't be in a relationship with someone that, because it's not fair to them.
0: Totally. Tell me about you communication. Oh, Tell you about <laughs> communication.
1: Oh, yeah. This is dating related. Dates are good for variety. Keep the relationship having fun, doing different things. Let's go here one day and then let's go to this place the next and having the ability to go on a bunch of different dates and keep your life exciting, you know, a relationship could be a great excuse or conduit to have great life experiences with a partner. Um, but how can you, and this is kind of like a, we'll answer this together without dates, bringing variety into your communication, you know? Can you bring variety into your how you greet the person when you see them after work or different ways to say good morning? How can you spice things up on a level of just
0: conversation to conversation? I think that is such a good question and something that people don't often consider and think about. And I think it's something where to start, it's what actually matters? Like, what do you want to know? I mean, it's so funny. My brother's voicemail is like, I hope you're having a beautiful day. It's like, that's so nice and refreshing. And if somebody on the street or someone I was grabbing coffee with said that at the end, like that would be memorable. And that would feel more special. And I would walk away being like, wow, that was so thoughtful. And I think it's, you know, what do we actually want for other people? And how do we wish that people would communicate with us, I think is a really important thing. We always ask people, how are you? Yes. And everyone just responds with good, tired, fine. Oh, you know, but nobody ever says how they are really. And so let's say a friend comes over for dinner instead of saying, how are you? You know, how are you really? I think even that one word shows that, you care and that sure. you genuinely want to know how that person's doing rather than the surface level. How are you?
1: Totally. How are you is a polarizing question. Cause some people hate it and some people think you can do better. I think you could do better. I don't think how are you is a bad question because sometimes people need to talk like, how are you really, how are you really going? Um, but or, and, um, You know, you're happiest around the people you love. Like life is about the people you love, my opinion, and the people you love make your life a better place. Uh, So how can you choose to make the relationships with the people you love as fun and as easy as possible if you know that you can do it? Uh, So I'm trying to kind of knock people's head and say like, there are ways to make it better, more fun. Every conversation is an opportunity to have fun. Maybe learn something about the other person. Maybe learn something about yourself. Maybe just have like a moment of fun, like jumping for joy and going, yippee. Uh, And you're also giving people, you know, people don't know that they can do these, you know, Alana's dating tips. They don't know it's possible until they hear it. Yeah. But once you know, you can't go back. I mean, you can, but...
0: But at the same time, just knowing isn't enough. You have to actually... Hold yourself accountable for doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing I tried to do on dates to not have them just be the same first date conversation over and over the same stories being told the same, like mundane. Here's our first date ritual and what we're going to talk about and tell each other. I would actually, you know, there's card games like we're not really strangers. Um, Mm -hmm. What I would do and this was also when I was working at Hinge, I would pull up the Hinge app and I would say, we're going to play a game and I would go through the prompts and we would literally ask each other prompt questions and it made it so much more engaging. We got to learn so many things about each other that we never would have before. And it was fun and it was different. And so that gave both of us a more positive experience was it necessarily all always going to lead to a second date? No, of course not. But that wasn't the goal. The goal was to share more about myself and get to know more about the other person. So we could decide from the get go, like, okay, based on this information that we now have, do we want to see each other again, as opposed to just The simple, like, where did you grow up? Where did you go to college? Funny story. Who are Mm -hmm. you living with now? Like, And that stuff that isn't really that meaningful.
1: So this is a really cool moment for me to say something that I think I learned a lot about, which is the classic, where did you grow up? Where did you go to college? What's your job? These are such basic want questions, which are when you first meet somebody, it's like, those are the questions you generally ask. So you can find some common ground. Just find something to talk about. Oh, you went to Syracuse? Me too. Uh, Let's talk about who we had. Nothing necessarily wrong with this. I mean, I really don't think there's anything wrong with many things. Uh, If conversation is good and people are flowing and vibing, and it's great to want to know things and learn things about people. But also, how, you know, noticing for me, at least when people sit down and I want to ask some questions, you know, the difference we talked about wanting and needing to know things. And yeah. these are totally want questions. How can I find a way to connect to somebody, find some shared experience by asking them pretty broad questions that gives me more things to ask them about. And you can keep asking things until you find something in common. Or what I love to say to people is, what do you want me to know? Yeah. What do you want me to know about you? What do you need me to know? Uh, you, someone might not have an answer to that or be prepared with an answer to that. But I think it starts a conversation off in a much more, okay. what is on this person's mind right now? You know, what do you want me to know? I want you to know that you should follow me on social media at Orley's listening table because you uh, could use better communication skills most likely. And so can I. And why don't we figure it all out together? Uh, That's something that if you ask me, what do I want you to know? Um, But it could be, I want you to know that I just watched this meme video of John Cena speaking Chinese, and that's just what's on my mind. Uh,
0: And, And who knows what type of connection that one thing can lead to.
1: Yeah, exactly. Instead of the conversation that you've had so many times, how fun is it for you to explain your whole story every time? They'll get it. They'll figure it out. Someone will tell them at some point. doesn't really matter for someone to have a good time is to be able to, you know, okay, we have to figure out everything about her backstory before we can just be in the present.
0: Right. It's almost like dating apps should, you know, figure out once you've set up a date, they should send that recording to each other of this information. So you can just skip it.
1: That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, the question, you know, to to answer, it's like, what do you want to know? I think about a good conversation like a car ride with a friend who's taking you somewhere that you don't like to a surprise party or something. Like if you trust your friend who's saying hop in the car, it doesn't matter where you're going. You don't need to ask where are we going or when are we going to get there because you're going to find out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. On this topic of what you want to know versus what you need to know, um, you posted something on Instagram. It was a really great video about when someone shares something heavy with you. And I get asked a lot about how to navigate these conversations, whether it's someone sharing something that's happened to them in the past or losing a loved one or talking about a past relationship or a diagnosis they have, anything that they're struggling with. There's two parts. it's it's how do we best express that on a date? Maybe it's a first date, second date, third date, tenth date, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that, and I think almost the more important part is for the person who's receiving this information, how can they best respond?
1: It's a great question. I think that responding to news that someone has died, the heaviest thing is so brutal and I don't know if there's ever a right way to do it. You know, yeah. I think you could just look at them and really just see them and you can say, Oh my gosh, that's awful. And know that nothing you say is possibly going to make the situation any better. Uh, so you give the, the moment it's time and you can have some fun afterwards when they're ready to move into a, you know, if someone's having a first date and bringing up some very recent sad and just situation in their life, um, maybe it's a better time to reschedule this date for like a, a better time. Uh, yeah. I'd love to be here for you. Um, but maybe it's best for you to be around people that are, family or friends that know you and can support you. Uh, Later in a relationship, when you are that person, I think that relationships are all about, you know, having someone to confide in and talk about little things that bother you, big things that bother you. One of the biggest lessons I've learned, uh, and this is kind of how to overcome one of the hardest challenges of listening is you don't have to fix somebody's problem when you're listening to them. And whatever someone's talking to you about is the biggest problem they're having at the time. Uh, Whether someone else is going through something terrible somewhere else in the world is irrelevant. You know, if I had a bad day at work and that's all I can think about, that is the biggest problem I have right now. And you telling me it's not a big deal is just sloppy. You know, be there for me. Um yeah. I think it's hard in relationships or friendships or family relationships when someone consistently turns things that you don't think are big deals into big deals. I think that is a maybe this has something to do with anxiety. I'm sure <laughs> people go through things all the time and as far as that goes, I am personally someone who struggles with that you know if if a a lot of small things can bother you and bring you down and make it so that something that is hard you know something that brings if you can get really upset about something that i think is not something that makes you upset i will still struggle to find a way to be like oh this really upsets you um i get it and also how can we move past it? You know, I still struggle with impatience to say like, wow, that person said that thing. Sure. They didn't really mean it or think much of it, but then if, if it ruins your whole day, it has an effect on me because right. now your day's ruined. And I don't know how to deal with those things. You probably have more experience talking about it being in those situations or dealing with people who say like my partner really struggles with this thing that I don't struggle with at all. How do I kind of find a medium solution for something like that?
0: Yeah, it's definitely a tough position to be in. Understandably, you know, we can't always put ourselves in someone else's shoes as hard as we might try. And we've all had different life experiences that shape how we view situations. But I think two things. One, it's important to understand that there are also situations that you Struggle with or things that happen that really bother you that your partner probably doesn't understand or hasn't experienced, you know, for example, like I get mean comments a lot about how big my ears are. It's very weird. And thankfully, the comments are about my ears and are not about my arms or my stomach and things that I really am self-conscious about. But even getting the comments about my ears every so often it, it really upsets me that people are just looking for things to pick apart about me and it can really, really bring me down. And, you know, Jake of course listens and hears me out when I am expressing that it's upsetting me, but at the same time, it's not a shared experience. He's never experienced that and he doesn't really know how it feels. And so I think the important thing to realize is, somebody might still want to support you even if they haven't gone through the same thing. And I think that's the way you have to look at it. Like, okay, I can't necessarily relate, but I see that they're going through this. I see that they're hurting. And let me find out how I can show up for them. And I think that's what you have to do is really like ask the person, what can I do to help? Or how can I support you? And, you know, there have been situations where Jake will even ask me, like if I'm struggling with something like, what can I do? And I don't know, but he'll do what he thinks is best based on what he knows. And sometimes that's forcing me off of the couch and to go out to dinner or saying like, okay, we're going to do this fun thing. And even though in the moment I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just want to sit on the couch and cry. It actually is what I need. And it does make me feel so much better. So I think it's also realizing, you know, if you're that person who's going through something and someone else is trying to show up for you, like it's from a really genuine place and it's because they care about you. And sometimes other people do know what you need more than, you know.
1: Sure. For sure. Um, this just makes me want to say something that I have heard about and I've heard it on your podcast and also have my own experiences with some uh, about this. You can't put all your eggs in one basket people-wise. Your partner is not going to be there for everything in your life and there shouldn't be an expectation of this. And on the extreme side of this, I volunteer at the Suicide Hotline. Uh, I'll be doing that later today. And so many people call in and are just, loneliness is brutal, by the way. Shout out to loneliness for being super brutal. I'm coming after you. The people who have gotten in a relationship long-term, let all the relationships they have besides their partner kind of die off or not be watered. And then lose their partner either to tragedy or just divorce or breakup and find themselves completely alone and suicidal is it's a huge amount of people. And if you expect your partner to be there for everything in your life and don't rely on your friends to be your friends. Yeah, your partner might not be able to help you with everything in your life. Great. You've got friends. Cherish them. They will be there for you when your partner is not. And if you're you lose your partner, you'll have friends. And that sounds cool, but it could save your life, really. Yeah. So I guess I would encourage you to feel like if your partner isn't able to support you so well all the time through certain things, lean on your friends.
0: Absolutely. They appreciate
1: being leaned on.
0: And and to that point, I think that's also important to consider in terms of friendships, whether you're, whether you have a partner or you don't, you know, I think one thing I've learned as I've gone through my twenties is not every friend is for everything. And that doesn't make them any less valuable or important of a friend, but I've learned that there are friends that I don't want to go to, to talk about a certain thing because I've done that in the past and it hasn't felt good, or they weren't, they really weren't capable of showing up for me in the way I needed in that situation. But then I found out that another friend was, and that other friend who was maybe isn't the fun friend that I go out with, and the other person is, and that's okay. You know, I think it's important to realize that not everyone is going to be for everything. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that they're less valuable of a friend. That doesn't mean that your friendship is weaker. But I think, you know, when we're growing up and, you know, in high school or in college, like we'll have these really strong friendships and think this person is like our best, 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 best friend forever. But we're not really experiencing all of life, you know, it's like we're going out maybe four or five times a week talking about frat boys and studying together. And maybe that friendship works so damn well in that situation. But then when you graduate and you go through your 20s and you have completely different career paths and one person gets into a relationship and the other doesn't and one person struggles with one thing and the other person struggles with something else, things are different. And it can be really hard to accept that. But I think it's really, really important to not put so much pressure on one person to be everything for you.
1: Shout out to Jake. (laughs) Be as much as he can be. Mm -hmm. And all relationships people who can, who can be there and who want to be there and just have human experiences that say, look, this isn't my, I don't know if this is reaching or being stereotypical, but I know guys struggle with like is what i'm wearing okay tonight you know okay i will give you five minutes to have as serious a conversation as i can about this and then send a picture to your friend and get their approval because i like it's not a big deal to me whatever you wear is fine you know it's like maybe that's not satisfying to you i don't it's just a a fun relationship thing where can you build in Parameters that say, like, this is if this is something that comes up for you a lot and that I'm not the best at dealing with, I want to get better at it. But I also want to build into our relationship that I want to be better at other things, maybe more. Yeah. I would love to support you in this kind of situation. But I have my limits that I think that as someone who's in a relationship, you should also respect a little bit. In a sense, because communication should be fun, should be amazing. And you should know, you know, people totally can change and totally can learn. And that's all about what I'm trying to show is like you can learn how to communicate better. It is totally, this is crazy, but everything you say, well, let's say it this way. You're able to choose every word you say and how you say it. You really are able to choose everything you say. And if you have that power, you should theoretically be able to only choose things that make you feel good to say. And once you are able to do that, you know you can have really fun and friendly conversations. Um, hey, what do you think about this? This is just this specific example of the clothing thing because I think it's something that girls maybe spend more time mentally on than guys. Uh,
0: I'd say so. can so confirm.
1: Like, hey, Orley. Do you like this? I say, I absolutely think it's terrific. Uh, I'm going to continue thinking it's terrific vocally for the next three and a half minutes. And afterwards, I can't wait to hear what your friend has to say about it. Let's FaceTime her and get her opinion on it. You yeah, know, that sounds like it could be a fun way of saying, great conversation, here for it, but only for this long.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important and just boundaries in general, because otherwise, you know, if... And to continue with that example, if you're continuously experiencing this, the same situation over and over, and you are, you just know you're never going to be like obsessed with this conversation, or it's never going to be something that you feel really strongly about. Eventually you might start to resent them for it. Be like, Oh, like, yeah. here we go again. Like the, the clothing mess, the trying on 27 outfits and me saying everything looks good. And them continuing to change like, I think it's important to realize that you're allowed to say like, what, like to your point, like, let's FaceTime your friend, or why don't you get this person's opinion? Because I know that you think they're really stylish and they can really help in this situation. Yeah. And then that signals to the person like, okay, maybe I should start going to someone else for this. I don't need to, Stress them out by continuously bringing this up to them.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a really nice and friendly medium because you do care a lot about what your partner thinks you look like, and if you're if you're cool and fresh, uh, and including them to a level that makes you feel like, hey, this is awesome, I love being included, and also, uh, you know, now I'm included. I've met the the base of my boyfriend or girlfriend thinks I look fine good even. Now, if I can add some extra sauce, let me call it my styling friend to make me extra spicy. Maybe they have a different hat recommendation. Yeah, Um, It's possible. That's a very low stakes thing uh, is clothing, perhaps. Um, Just to make another example, this is something that I struggled with in my past relationship. And I think vulnerability is good for podcasts and being able to talk about experience give specific examples um specificity is always so much better than vague situations i think Uh, one of the things that my ex-girlfriend and i had separate opinions on was like who is going to be at the thing we're going to i really didn't care i'm cool meeting someone and learning about them for the first time it doesn't matter who's going to be there it barely matters what the dress code is um and they were somebody who really liked to know what should I wear? Who's going to be there? What should I know about the people that are going to be there? And uh, where well, I was more like, we'll figure it out when we get there. You know, if we need to bring, I mean, this is California, you don't, so you drive places, but like, if we need a change of clothes, we can bring one, keep it in the car or a coat or something like that, just in case. Um, but navigating those kind of, anxiety-increasing situations, I'd say. Because yeah. you really want a date to be friendly and easy. So how can you navigate the situation? I And what we ended up with is basically said, like, I will tell you everything I know about every person that's going to be there. Um, but if it's something I don't know, I'm just going to tell you up front, I don't know what the dress code is. I have no idea. Uh, I, yeah. I've checked the weather. And so I would – even though it wasn't necessarily my favorite thing to – entertain, um, at a certain point, I did come to the point where my relationship is better when my partner is happier. So I am going to have a fun time talking about the people that are there that I know, uh, and also be very clear and saying, I don't know what it's going to be like there. I don't know if it's going to be indoors or outdoors. Um, but if there's enough time, I'm happy to find out for you. Yeah. So you can, You can have boundaries, but also recognizing that your partner's kind of general mental well-being, if it doesn't require a lot of effort on your part, you know, just the text, hey, what's the dress code look like? Or checking the weather app and saying this, this. Uh, You can say like, yeah, I think it's going to be good to wear a light jacket. Don't know who's going to be there. Are you okay with us just going in and taking it like that? giving them control as much as you can.
0: Yeah. Benefits. I went to, I went to a quote unquote influencer event last night, and this is still something that's very new for me and causes me a lot of anxiety. Cause I usually don't know anyone else that's going to be there except for the person who's coming with me on the case that I get a plus one. Um, there's often really a dress code, um and i I have no idea what to expect. I don't know what it's gonna be like. I don't know if I'm gonna end up having a great time or feeling incredibly self-conscious, comparing myself to everyone else. So it's a really though it's a very cool thing, it's a very stressful thing. And I invited a friend of mine who is just like a friend from college, and she was super down to come, and I realized as I'm anxious about this, like while I was getting ready, I'm like, if I'm anxious, like she also must be like really anxious about this. And I realized I had given her so little information about it. And so I ended up, I picked up my phone and I texted her. I'm like, by the way, I haven't told you what to expect because I have literally no idea what to expect. And she was like, I figured, but like, thanks for clarifying. And you know, we ended up going and everyone was dressed to the nines and we were in blue jeans And, uh, half the people there had like 500,000, a million followers (laughs) and we definitely felt very out of place, but we were able to feel out of place together (laughs) and it made it okay. Sure. But I think it was important for me to realize like, okay, I don't really know anything and I'm the one who has the information, like I should probably let her know that I also don't know what we're expecting, like what to expect and what we're walking into to make her feel more comfortable in the discomfort. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, just like that, going back in clarity, there's no limit to how long something can go. Oh, I told them, you know, yesterday about it. So now I'm out of the bounds. Like it's January 13th. You can still wish someone Happy New Year's if you haven't talked to them. You're good. Yeah. Uh, you can always go back and clarify. You know, hey, yesterday when I said this thing, um, I just don't know if it was fully understood. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I want you to know what I meant was this. You, There is no deadline to clarify something that could be misunderstood. And it's probably... Always appreciate it. And if it's not appreciated, it's because you already were clear the first time. And now mm-hmm. you're just there like, oh, I already got that. You don't need to waste a minute of my time uh, clarifying it. And in that case, they can get over that.
0: Yeah, that actually happened to me earlier this week, too. I made a comment to a friend maybe six weeks ago about something. And it's been in my head of like, what if she misunderstood or what if it came off wrong? Like, what if she's upset about it? And I saw her earlier this week and I was like, by the way, like I have almost lost sleep over this. I hope you were not offended when I said this. I did not mean it like that. And she was like, I like, I didn't think twice about it. Like, don't worry. And I was like, OK, I didn't continue. I was just like, OK, like now I know I can relax about it. But yeah, to, yeah. to your point, there's never a deadline to bring something up. There's never a deadline to reconnect with someone or wish someone well, you know, I miss my friends birthdays all the time. And I always feel horrible about it. But what would be worse is not, I think not recognizing that I missed it and not saying three days later, I hope you had an amazing birthday. I'm so sorry, I missed it. But like, how was it and catching up with them instead of just pretending that I literally have no idea. It's their birthday. I'm ignoring that fact. And yes, I forgot, but I'm just not going to do anything about it.
1: Yeah. And who doesn't like getting birthday wishes later?
0: Yeah. Like, you love fun birthday going. Text. Right. Yeah.
1: Fun, fun, fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. Two more quick things for you. One. I'm curious if doing your listening table has helped you. And I know you mentioned having anxiety and that's something that probably 99% of the Seeing Other People listeners also share. um, Everybody wants to meet people in real life, but nobody knows how to approach someone or how to start those conversations. And I'm curious if based on your experience, putting yourself out there, if you've been able to learn any tips or tricks or have you just gotten better at it, whether in a romantic sense or just a friendly sense?
1: Definitely better at putting myself in different situations. I think life exists basically outside your comfort zone in, in a generally, like, motivational speaker type way. Um, when it comes to meeting other people romantically, I'm not successfully uh, someone to talk from experience here. Um, I've been in two relationships that we both with pretty long, uh, but I'm not in any relationship right now. So we'll see. Uh, I believe that so much of the challenge for me to find a relationship is I want people to see me as the person that I see myself as. Uh, And I think it's hard to do that in dating apps. You know, how do you take yourself and say like, this is me, I'm actually super cool. Yeah. Um, But also kind of weird. And in all these interesting ways and work in progress, totally. Um, You have to be that person. And for me, that person is someone who does things that are exciting and and full of life and living. And, you know, I did this table over 60 times without really posting about it just because it was for me. But trying to be the person that you want people to see, I think you tell me what you think about this, but. You know, if you want to meet someone athletic, play sports. If you want to meet someone who's into literature, join a book club, like meet the people where you want to be in your life because they'll probably be there. Yeah. Right.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, to that point, people always say, I want to meet someone who's emotionally available. Make sure you're emotionally available too. I want to meet someone who's gone to therapy and worked on themselves. have you gone to therapy and worked on yourself? You know, I think I I couldn't agree more. I think you should really try and, you know, become the person that you want to be with. And that will attract that person that will also put you in situations to meet that person. So I, I, I love that point. I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah, and be the person who's fun to talk to, not because you think about what other people want to talk about, even though you absolutely should be considerate about listening to other people. But if you have fun in a conversation, that's how someone else can have fun with you in a conversation. Yeah. And if you're not having fun with the conversation, think about, you know, can you do better for yourself? How can relationships conversations be better for because you want to have fun with it. I love it fun. Every conversation can be fun. I believe. (laughs) Big fan.
0: One final question for you, and this is my favorite question to ask. And I'm very curious what your answer is going to be. What is the best piece of dating advice you've ever received?
1: That is such a good question. The best piece of dating advice that I have ever received. I'll give kind of two halves of an answer. Um, One is from me, from my personal experience. I don't know if anyone gave you this advice, but I'll figure it out. Uh, And one is from that guy who married the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's a good piece of dating advice. Don't marry the wrong person. Um, I took that as advice from him. Uh, It meant a lot to me. Uh, That was a... I think a really, I don't know, it's a pretty big piece of advice, hard to hear, but you don't have to be in a relationship with someone that doesn't make you happy. Um, And then from me, the other half of that is, and this is something that I remember saying on my first date uh, with the person I ended up in a relationship for a long time, uh, I said, you know, this is, I am going to be a person that is consistently trying to be the most ridiculous and experimental, and fun, extravagant person that I can be. If you want that to stop at any point in time, we should probably stop in a relationship at that point in time. You know, I was like, this is me. If you love me, you love me. If you don't love me, then totally fine with me. Yeah. There's other people.
0: I love seeing other people. I, I love that so much. And I think that's something that I, I really hope everyone takes to heart and can look within and say, this is who I am. And we all we want to be accepted for exactly who we are. And we don't want people to come and try and change us similarly to how we shouldn't try and change someone else. I mean, I've gotten myself into so many relationships where in situationships where I wanted to fix the person. I wanted to change them. I like saw the potential and I'm like, okay, well, they just need my help bringing it out in them. And that's not the way forward. And we should be choosing people because we like them and see them for who they are and not who we want them to be. And I think the second tier, I I love that. You said like, as soon as you realize that, like, we should not be together anymore it's okay for people to change their minds to, you know, learn that they're not as into something as they thought they were. But I agree. It wouldn't be fair to you for someone to realize, well, I don't want Orly to be this way or I'm not okay with when he does this thing and I want him to stop or change for me. And yeah, I just think that's, that's beautiful advice.
1: Uh can I add one or two, one or two short and quick things that I think would be really good takeaways? Please do. Before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, the first is that you know in in being yourself the word authenticity is thrown around a lot. Authenticity is great, but authenticity is not an excuse to be sloppy or mean or just be like this is my authentic self. I say what's on my mind. No. authentic does not mean rude and it doesn't mean just sloppy being authentic means feeling yourself but being considerate means feeling yourself in a way that is considerate and i think that's really important to recognize that authentic you doesn't just say it how it is authentic you feels however you feel but is able to also be mature and responsible you to recognize that whatever message you have can be said in a hundred thousand different ways. And if you really want to change someone's opinion or say something, is something you don't agree with? There's a much better way of being heard than just saying, this is me, playing a flag in it and letting it like resonate with whoever it resonates with.
0: Oh, there are people I want to send that sound bite to so badly.
1: <laughs> Shout out to authenticity. You're super cool. I very much care about authenticity. But not at the cost of being sloppy. I think sloppy yeah. is the word I, I use a lot. Um, second, this is a great takeaway that I think is really, really cool. Changed my life totally. Doing this whole listening table and listening, you know, project and just trying to be a better listener. If you tell your people occasionally, depending on how committed you are to doing it, which is should be very. Um, but you know, I'm doing it very publicly. So everyone knows that I'm trying to be a better listener all the time. I do it every week. Uh, I post about it on social media all the time. But if you tell your friends or family, you know, once every couple months, Hey, I personally am trying to become a better listener. And maybe if you want to say like, these are a couple things I struggle with, all of a sudden people will know this about you and they will start calling you on it, which is the best gift that you can get all of a sudden I started doing my listening table. Every person I knew, if I was in a conversation with them, they would say, Hey, you're not listening, or you could be communicating better than this. And it creates this responsibility that is outside of yourself. Hey, I don't feel like I'm being listened to. Great. I can hear that and become a better listener because I'm working on being listening and everybody else in your world will start in being able to kind of criticize your communication skills. They'll start thinking about their own communication skills and it'll just have this ripple effect of hey, if one person in this group is trying to be a better communicator and we can all help them, we're all helping each other. Absolutely. Call your friends, tell them you want to be there for them, you want to be a better listener, communicator. Uh, That's what I have to say, the big takeaway.
0: I love it. Orly, thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody find you online or in real life?
1: You can find me at thelisteningtable.com. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Orly's Listening Table. Orly is spelled O-R-L-Y, then an S, then Listening Table. And hopefully one day I've recorded a podcast of my own uh, where we talk about the Listening Table and what we've learned. It hasn't come out yet, but I hope it will. Maybe we'll talk later about how to do podcasts. Shout out to Alana. Hell yeah. That's where you can find me.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much to everyone who listened. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to send this episode to a friend who would benefit from hearing it. Share it on your story and tag both of us if you loved it and leave a five-star rating and review and follow Orly everywhere. His content is truly- Five stars.
1: Five five stars. stars.
0: Five stars, no less. No more, but no less. Five is all I ask. Orly's content is really amazing and inspiring and it's really beautiful to hear so many of the stories that people are sharing and so I I couldn't recommend following him more highly so that being said thank you guys for listening love you all and I will talk to you next time